Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP1. This week on TWIP, a very special interview with photographer and entrepreneur Brian Caparici. In this interview, we discuss the business of photography, shooting with a purpose, and Brian answers the question, is it possible to create pro-quality work with small mirrorless cameras. It's Tuesday, January 28, 2014, and this is Twit. All right, folks, I'm sitting here live with Mr. Brian Caparici. He's a photographer, he's an entrepreneur, and just general all-around nice guy. And uh, he's agreed to come on This Week in Photo with me to chat about a couple of things. We're going to be talking about um, some business things overall, um, kind of photography with a purpose. We're going to dive into mirrorless a little bit, and then more specifically, I want to talk to Brian about is it possible to do professional-level work using these small mirrorless cameras, and does it matter? What are the stigmas associated with it? What are the pluses, what are the minuses, etc.? So, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I'm uh, I'm impressed that you got the name right too. So that's uh, that's excellent. It's a good first start. <laughs> See, now you're just teasing me because uh, before we started recording, I had uh, I had to say it a couple times to make sure. <laughs> well done. There was no, there was no cappuccino or cappuccici or you know we're we're, we're good to go. We're off on a good start. None of that. We got it going. We got it going. So before we kick it off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Brian and and why why are you into photography and all this other cool stuff? Yeah, cool. So um, the, th- the thing, you know, we were talking before the show there and you, and you had asked, you know, what's sort of my title? And, and this is the thing that I'm really passionate about. Totally. I'm a photographer. I love photography. Um, but the thing that I need to remember and the thing that a lot of photographers need to remember is we're in the business of photography. And so I love photography as an art form from a creative point of view. I love all the things that we can do with light, with posing, with composition. I think it's a really, really amazing field that we're in. But at the same time, if we can't get people to put dollars in our pockets for what we do, then it's kind of just a hobby. So I'm in the business of photography, and so I am a entrepreneur that does photography. Um, I'm a wedding photographer. About 70% of my work is weddings. I do a fair bit of uh, portrait work. My, my style, my approach, my, my mantra, my way of doing photography is I photograph um, pictures of people in an environment where they're comfortable, where they can be themselves. And so that could be anything from family portraits. Uh, I do a lot of boudoir portraits. I do a lot of business portraits, but not the kind of business portraits where they come into my studio. I actually go to them and photograph them in the environment. So most of my work is environmental portrait work. That's what I was going to say. So that, that sounds like environmental portraiture. So the boudoir stuff, what about that? Is that environmental as well? Are you in the yeah. client's home? Okay. Uh, well, actually, not, not usually in their home. Um, I actually have an arrangement with a few local hotels, boutique hotels here, where oh, I have, cool. as, as weird as it sounds, I have a day rate with them where I go in there and I have four hours that I get to sort of rent the room for, and they're just beautiful, like luxury deluxe suites that would normally cost you know $500 to rent for the night. I get it during the daytime when they don't have any people that are in the rooms. 
Oh, that is such a that's a brilliant idea. So then you yeah. do that, and then that's your studio and the, your it. your crew and the and the um, the the client shows up there at a specific time. You guys go in, you do the shoot, you pack up, you're gone. Yeah, that that's it. You know, I I have a studio like well, that's where I am right now. Um, it it is attached to my house. We built it a few years ago. It's about fifteen hundred square feet, but I live on a highway, and so it's it's very commercially in, in in the way that it looks. It has a separate entrance. It has a dedicated meeting space. It has a separate bathroom for clients. So for all intents and purposes, it is a commercial space. Um, but I don't have a shooting space here. It's meeting space, office space, workspace, packaging space, that kind of thing. So. Um, I always meet with my boudoir clients and my, you know, any client here. But for the actual session, I'm always out on location. Love it, love it. So let's dive into that a little bit because um, I'm I'm really interested in in that location kind of shooting thing and what what you're doing when you're there. What does a shoot look like? Is it is it just you and the client? Is it you the client? An assistant and a and a makeup artist. What is logistically? What are we looking at? Yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's it's me. I, I'm I'm the sole photographer for my company, Brian Capricci Photography. While I do outsource parts of my of my workflow in terms of you know accounting or law work or these kinds of things, printing, uh, photography. I am the only guy. Assistant. My wife does come with me to weddings. She's assisted me for the last eight years for weddings. So we have a very good flow, and we're sort of zen because we have a relationship already, and we can know how to communicate with each other. Sometimes that's not for the better, but you know, if anybody, <laughs> if anybody else works with their spouse, they they know what I'm talking about. But that's that's basically it for most sessions, for family, for you know, business portraits, for that kind of stuff. It's usually me. I'm a one one man show, and I try to do what I can to make things as mobile and as flexible and as scalable as I can by myself. And what does that look like, mobility and flexibility on, on one of those boudoir shoots? Uh, what Lighting-wise, what are you bringing with you? I, I actually prefer to work with natural light for boudoir sessions. Awesome. So, really? yeah, I, I, I love the way – and, and, you know, this is the thing. A lot of photographers will think negatively about natural light in that kind of setting because they want the control. And I would argue that what we're doing with studio lights and with a softbox or whatever it is that we're using, we're just mimicking what you'd get out of a window anyways. And so if you can really – Pay attention to the light and pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to the modeling on your client and on your model. Then, then I think that you can make beautiful photographs with natural daylight. Yeah, man, it's good. It sounds like you have the location to do it as well, which is which is a huge factor. So artificial light or strobe or even continuous that comes into play where if you're shooting in a warehouse or someplace or in a studio where you need to control the lighting, but if you're in a beautiful place already, why are you going to recreate it, right? That's you know that's just it. They they design. I mean, the specific the hotels that I use, they design these rooms and these hotels to have beautiful ambiance and to have beautiful light. And so for me to go in, nuke those lights that they've put all this money and time and energy into creating, and try to just recreate it myself, I think would be kind of silly. So I just love it and taking advantage of what they've given me. And that way, I'm kind of rolling with the punches too. So if it's a sunny day, I'm working with a certain environment. If it's a cloudy day, I'm working with a certain environment. I like to get different rooms at the hotel so I don't fall into the same kind of flow. Uh, I just I have to kind of adapt and work with what I have with me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So let, let, let's transition into, we, we were talking before about the idea of photography with a purpose. And you actually coined that phrase. So I want you to explain that and then let's dive into that a little bit deeper. What is photography with a purpose? Okay, so so this is I, I love this because I think a lot of the times, you know, I mentioned earlier we're in the business of photography and we have people that are paying us to take their pictures. Mm -hmm. That's sort of you know what what it comes down to in the most basic form of it. I think a lot of the time 
we can get kind of caught up in that idea of it being just a job. And I think it's very easy for full-time professional photographers to go through the motions with what they're doing because, you know, it's another wedding, it's this, it's, oh yeah, I did the same thing last week, you know, whatever. But the thing that we have to remember, and, and I have this sort of routine that I go through in my head um, to get myself prepared for this. When I go to photograph a wedding, I need to remember that this is the most important day for this couple. They have put so much time and energy and attention to detail. They've got their closest family and friends that are coming in to visit them here on this day. For me, yeah, it's another weekend, but for them, this is incredibly important, and I'm the person that's in charge of documenting that day for them. And so I think approaching things with a real intentional purpose is very, very important, and, and it, it breathes life into your photography. It breathes um, a purpose and intent into your photography. Um, th this is one of the reasons, and I know that, that I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, maybe rough, ruffle some feathers here. The idea of, of, you know, I think they call they call them creatives. I know that's what they call them in, in the uh, the wedding photography industry, where a bunch of vendors will get together to to do a creative, to do to create photographs um, that will showcase, you know, the invitations or showcase stationery or a bouquet or a bridal dress or these kinds of things. Um, I, I actually don't believe in creatives because I always say, well, what's the purpose? What, like, why are we getting together to create pictures of a table set up in the middle of a wheat field? Right. What, is that, what, like, what does that say? Like, what are we trying to do with this photography? What's and the so, story, right? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the story? You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of an overused statement, but I really do think that photography has an amazing ability to tell a visual story. And I think that as storytellers, we have to sometimes take a step back and really think about, well, what is that story that we're trying to tell? What is that that thing that we're trying to convey? And so that, for me, is that's that's creating photography with a purpose. Well, how do you get to that vision? It sounds like you're also talking, uh, another way of looking at it is having a vision, right? So yeah. how do you, how do you in, in speaking specifically to the some of the more advanced amateurs out there, maybe they're not shooting pro all the time, or maybe they are. Let's, let's take it down the, the road of boudoir. So you're doing a boudoir shoot, um, and you, you've done 300 of them. How do you make 301 unique? And how do you stay excited and inspired about shot 301 as you were about shot number one? Yeah, that's a great question. So th this is the way that I look at it. As much as, you know, similar idea with weddings, as much as every wedding, it's another wedding for me, for that couple, it is a completely unique and distinct occasion. And so the same would be true for, for example, a boudoir session. So the way that I get myself in a space where I can approach it with a fresh perspective, um, I do things like not using the same space all the time. So that definitely keeps things interesting for me. But I really try to dive into what this means for the client. And so I really like to sort of have the conversation, if we're talking about boudoir specifically, I, I want to sit down with them before, and I mean, this could be immediately before the session, before we start photographing, or a couple weeks before when we're planning out their session, and figure out why have you come to me to get boudoir photos taken at this point in your life, or, or what has happened recently that has made this of interest to you. And when I can start discovering some of these things like um, what they really want to capture through boudoir photographs 
or what they're most proud of about their body that they want to have documented, or maybe even who they're creating the photographs for, who the end the end sort of uh, consumer is going to be for these photographs. Maybe it's their husband, maybe it's their fiance. When I can dig into those, it gives me purpose for what I'm doing, and I can approach their session specifically for them and trying to hit what they want to get out of the session. And do you, I, I was speaking with some other photographers, I think it was Krista Miola I was talking to a while back, and she was saying that she uses Pinterest to to do kind of what you're talking about. She'll have the client go in and build a board and pin a bunch of photos that that kind of speak to them, and then from there she'll go back and and review those with the client and des design what the look or the inspiration for the session is going to be. Is that kind of where you're going? I, I would say in theory that's where I'm going. Um, I, I guess maybe I'm a little bit different than some photographers in that sense. I love Pinterest. I love social media. I'm all over the place on social media. But from a visual point of view, from an inspiration point of view, I would rather not try to – and I know this is bold. I'd rather not try to mimic something that somebody else is doing. I would rather approach it really from a fresh perspective. So mm -hmm. while I definitely tell my clients, you know, throw some, some photos together, fire them off in an email to me, you know, add me to a board that we can both pin some stuff to, I definitely want to get an idea for what style they like or for what they're looking for out of it. But at the end of the day, I want to sit down face-to-face -face with my clients and just have a conversation and start to kind of uncover some of their purpose behind why they hired me to photograph them at this point in their lives. I think that you get so much more information when you can sit down with them like that as opposed to just collaborating online. Love it. Love it. Cool. So the, the physical, tactile, face-to-face, -face, handshake, sit down with a cup of coffee yeah. and collaborate on what the shot's going to be. And then from there, you schedule a date, you guys meet up, and you execute the shot. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that's so important. And, and, and even to, to take that a step further, like for boudoir specifically, sometimes I may not have a chance to sit down ahead of time. I actually find that to be a really, really great icebreaker when I'm sitting down before the session, before they've gotten into their you know, lingerie and stuff. I'm not going to sit down when they're there in front of me in their lingerie. Yeah, but, you know... <laughs> To, to sit down just to kind of start to have those conversations about what's important to them, what are they proud of, what do they want to show off, what, you know, having those kinds of conversations is really important. Um, sometimes, you know, with portraits, for example, family portraits, it may not happen where I can have this conversation in person, but 99.9% .9 of the time, I will make an effort to have that uh, conversation over the phone. So that's a big part of my process is I won't book somebody unless I can get them at least on the phone if not to come into my studio to talk with me. Because I think that, A, I can convey the process, how I approach things, my style so much better when I can actually talk with them and they can hear my voice inflection, they can hear my emotion, they can hear my passion. But likewise, the other way around, I can read them and interpret what they're looking for when I can hear their voice and see their you know, expression. Absolutely. And then, and then once you, you've, the session is over, you got the shot, then what? What happens? So walk me through that. the flow of delivery. What does the client communication and delivery process look like post-shoot? That's, that's actually an, another uh, good, good segue. We didn't even talk about this. But this is a, <laughs> it's a good... You are <laughs> I a just good go off the rails, man. You can't control it. <laughs> so so this, is a, this is another huge part for me of photographing with intent and photographing with a purpose. Um, I, I don't believe in the idea of just let's go and take pictures and figure out what we want to do with them later. I always like to know um, what's the finished product going to be for these photographs. Like where are these pictures going to end up? Yeah. I always want to have that figured out ahead of time because it'll it'll change how I approach the session and how I photograph it, the series that I get, the sequences that I get. I'm a huge believer. I, I'm like 
my, the biggest thing that, that overlays my entire business and my approach to photography is printing photographs. I'm such a huge believer. I do not deliver just digital products. I don't believe in it wow. because because I, I strongly believe that as soon as you – I mean, of course, there's going to be unique circumstances. Like when I do business portraits, for example, they need to have digitals because they're going in ads and, and you know magazines and, and on their website, that kind of stuff. That's different. But for things like family portraits, boudoir portraits, weddings, um, I want to have a physical product that I get to deliver to my clients that I'm proud of that they can showcase in their home or to their friends or to their loved ones. That's really important for me. So, so that's a huge part of my process. If someone calls me for family portraits and they want me to take pictures and give them a disc, I, I simply will refer them to another photographer because that's not what I offer. But what if they say, so, yeah, what if they say, yeah, the, I, I want a wall print. That's my ultimate goal. But I also want to share these on Facebook and online. Do you do you allow for that, or you say, well, yeah. sorry, find another. No, no, no. There's, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't um, don't not offer digital options. But my, my sort of comment would be, and this is sort of an interesting perspective from a photographer. If they love the images enough that they want to have them on Facebook, shouldn't they love them enough to have them in their home? Mm. And, and I think that that's a really, really interesting perspective. If they want to share them with their friends and family, you know, as small little websites, pictures on Facebook, that's great. But then wouldn't you also want to even have a 4x6 or a 5x7 that you could put into an album at home or just put on the coffee table or put on a shelf at home? I would sort of argue that when you put it that way, well, well yeah, I mean, that sort of makes sense. And so, you know, from that perspective, the images that I do end up sharing in social media and on my blog with my clients are always the ones that they order prints of or that they have printed from me. Love it. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just head over to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP1. And you know, a couple things about Squarespace. They've got a new metric app for iPhone and iPad that allows you to check your site stats, like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, you can tap and drag images to change the layout and monitor comments on the go. Squarespace is really easy to use, but if you need help, they've got an amazing support team that work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And Squarespace starts at just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So you can start your free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. Then when you decide to sign up, you can just make sure to use the offer code TWIP1 and they'll knock 10% off of the price. That's TWIP1, the number one, to knock 10% off and also to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. So let's segue into into gear a little bit. I know we want to talk a little bit about mirrorless, and and you have you 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 are in that mirrorless world. You own a mirrorless camera and all that. Oh yeah. Where do you where do you draw the line between when you use a DSLR and when you're going to pick up that mirrorless camera? Cool. Okay. This is this is a great conversation, and I and I, I'm. I'm super passionate about this idea of, of gear, mirrorless, DSLR, what does it mean, where does it go, when do you use what. Um, let me back up for two seconds and, and I'm going to give you um, a, a, brief, a brief background about, about sort of me educational wise. I, I, you know, I talked earlier about, about business and I, and I love business. I'm, such, I'm so passionate about 
teaching photographers business. And so I, I, I have a lot of conversations with photographers about business. I give workshops. I, I wrote a book on pricing because I really feel like photographers need that sort of how to, to actually the, the mechanics of how to price, you know, their work. And so, um, I'm, I'm re I've really been in that space for a long time where, where most of my education and discussion with other photographers was always around business. And, uh, about maybe six months ago, I sort of, um, with photography, I, I, I think it's universal for a lot of photographers where they start out, when they first start in photography, they're really passionate about photography, right? And, and they're, they're into the gear and they're into learning things and they're into, into all the photography, the creative, the art side of things. And then that, not that it trickles out, but they become comfortable with the stuff that they're using and they start going in other directions like business and social media and marketing and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was the case for me too. Um, but recently, about six months ago, I discovered the mirrorless world. And specifically, I discovered Fuji cameras. Um, and I found this like reignited passion, this new fire under me because, yeah, it was new. So, I mean, that, that was definitely contributing to it. Mm. But I loved the simplification of photography that mirrorless sort of delivered to me, specifically the Fuji gear, because it was minimalist and... Uh, very analog in, it, in its approach and its design. I love that it almost it strips away some of the features so you don't have to fiddle with all these things that we have in the DSLRs. I love that. So I discovered Fuji, uh, specifically the Fuji X-E1, and I've, I've recently upgraded to the X-E2. Um, the thing that I love about mirrorless, and, and this is a question I get all the time because I talk a lot about it, even just you know on my Facebook page and this and that about the Fuji pictures I'm taking and yada, yada, yada. Photographers are always asking me, well, is, is, it, is, is it a viable option for a professional? Mm -hmm. um, absolutely it's a viable. I mean, the, the question I always come back with is, well, why not? I tell people, well, it's a smaller camera. And, okay, well, what about the size of a camera affects the picture that you're going to take at the end of the day? Uh, and and uh, I don't think anything about the size of the camera really affects it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reality about these mirrorless cameras, and I know you've talked a lot about this with Twip, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, the technology and the sensors and the systems and the processors that are in these mirrorless cameras now are very much, very much on par with what we have in our DSLRs. Right. The only difference, and I mean this is this is a broad statement, but the only difference is that is DSLRs have a mirror in them, and mirrorless cameras, well, by nature, they don't have a mirror in them. That's the only difference. My Fuji XE2 has an APS-C size sensor. That's a big sensor. That's yep. the same as my Nikon D7000. Yes, it is. Yep. And I've never been one to think that you need a full-frame camera to get a professional-level print because, again, thinking of this in terms of finished products, for me, the biggest I normally print for clients is 30 by 40. The average size in terms of prints is 20 by 30. My albums are always 10 by 15 or under. Um, I could probably use a 3-megapixel camera for, <laughs> for yeah. something like that. I don't need you know, 32 megapixels or, 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 you know, whatever we can get to now. So I think that that argument um, is less relevant now than it has been in the past. And I think APS-C has gotten to a point where we can get the depth of field, we can get the autofocus, we can get the same quality and depth and clarity that we can out of a full frame, or at least comparative, um, that the, the difference is, is almost not even, it's, it's, it's almost arguably similar these days. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's sort of where, where, where I sit in terms of a mirrorless versus 
non-mirrorless. So yes, right now I'm a Nikon shooter. I have a Nikon D3S, which is a beautiful, you know, the flagship full-frame camera. Um, I have every top-of-the-line lens that Nikon has: the 51.4, the 85.4, 70-200, like everything. I've got I've got macros, I've got wide angles, everything. Um, and yeah, I, I I demand a lot out of my equipment as a wedding photographer. I'm always in these new situations. I'm in dark rooms. I'm in dark reception halls, dark churches. I'm, I got to move fast with the action. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with all different kinds of, of variables. And so, yes, definitely my demands on my equipment is, is high. I, I expect a lot out of it. Um, and I shoot about 50% of my work now with my mirrorless camera, with my Fuji uh, You know I was going to ask that. That was my next question. Yeah. Bam. That, that's it. And um, for me, it's coming back to a point of photographing with intent. Um, the physical size of the camera for me doesn't matter. If I can great, get great images out of it, then that's all that matters. And so for me, I have very intentionally segmented where I use DSLR and where I use mirrorless. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the reason that I chose Fuji and the reason that I still love Fuji is it's beautiful black and white renderings and it's JPEG uh, qualities. It, they are just stunning. Um, I'm getting JPEGs out of my Fuji when I'm intentional and when I'm very aware of the light and of composition and of, of mood, I get beautiful, beautiful JPEGs out of the camera with my Fuji, black and white specifically. I love the black and white rendering out of it. I've tinkered with some of the settings to get you know, a different curves and, and to get different sharpness and that kind of thing. So I've really optimized it for my look, but I get beautiful black and whites out of my Fuji. And so I have dedicated my Fuji to be my black and white camera. Nice. And I've dedicated my D3S to be my color camera. And so now when I'm shooting, uh, I have my Fuji on a little, uh, it's, I've got a little thing on my, uh, my belt that it just hooks into. Mm -hmm. And so I'm now, when I'm photographing, I bring both my D3S and my Fuji with me to every single session, family, boudoir, wedding, engagement. And when I'm shooting, I'm now making the decision to photograph an image in black and white or to photograph an image in color. And that experience of, of being that intentional with my photography has been such an amazing lesson for me in thinking and in really pre-visualizing what it is that I'm trying to convey in an image. If I feel like the light and the mood and, and the emotion is going to be impactful in black and white, then I will put down the D3S and I'll pick up my Fuji and I'll shoot in black and white. The thing I love about Fuji, of course, with mirrorless is you have um, electronic viewfinders. So you can actually view the image you're taking in black and white and strip out the color from distracting you so you can really just focus on the mood, the moment, and the composition instead. Right, and do that and before, so, before you take the shot. Exactly. Brian, what about, there's a, speak to the, the fact that there's a lot of photographers out there that, that don't understand the and versus the or. In other words, you're, you're an and photographer. You can use your DSLR and a mirrorless camera, and you've figured out a way that works for you to use both and, and be a better photographer for it. But we see a lot of photographers out there that, are, that rail against mirrorless or rail against DSLRs because it has to be an or. Either you're a Nikon or you're a Canon shooter, or you're, you're mirrorless or you're DSLR, you're JPEG or you're RAW. You know, there's always that or in there for those folks. How would you, how would you address that in those arguments? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I think whenever you have any kind of fundamental shift or any kind of uh, advancement or change, people always resist change. Uh, I've, I've given a whole workshop on the idea of, of embracing change and adapting to what's happening. 
um, whether that's with marketing or technology or business or whatever. Um, it was the case with film. It was the case when the brownie came out. Everybody, you know, was was against it. And, and I think that that's going to be the case. You're going to have those that are pro it and those that are against it. For me, um, one of the main reasons that I have kept DSLRs and not gone fully mirrorless, because let's think about this for a second. With mirrorless, if I can get great quality images, comparably the same as I'm getting with my D3S, which I would argue with anyone I'm getting the same quality. I've, I've had images printed side by side in albums, I've had wall portraits done side by side with both, and, and I'm, they look beautifully similar. So okay, take, take quality out of it. Um, I'm about a tenth of the size and weight. So on a wedding day, that's really important for me, the fact that I don't have to lug around giant DSLRs with all these lenses and everything. I can have as much smaller system. And for a lot of newer photographers, it's a much more economical option. Mm-hmm. Mirrorless cameras are a lot more affordable than, than uh, you know, their full-frame alternatives. My D3S camera body itself, I guess, the, you know, the comparable now would be the D4, is you know, going somewhere in the, in the six dollars to $7,000 range. Lenses are in the, the, the $1,500 to $2,500 range. So you can see how for a full system, you can easily be looking at fifteen dollars to $20,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you look in the mirrorless world, um, I can buy my Fuji X-C2 and two to three lenses and still be well under $5,000 for that. Yeah. Um, that. That's you know very attractive for some people. And so all of those things combined, the fact that I have less gear to carry around, it's much easier to, to carry around and use. I love the um, electronic viewfinder. A lot of photographers don't like it. I love it because I'm, I'm a very conscious and aware and tight shooter. And so the fact that I can see my exposure before I'm actually taking the picture and get it dead right in the camera so I don't have to edit it afterward, that makes me a really happy guy. And, yeah. so, and so that that makes my life a lot easier as a wedding photographer. It makes you a better photographer overall. For me, I'm a, I, I like the EVF as well, the electronic viewfinder as well, for that, those very reasons and for just the, the, the technological advances that they give you over just pure optical, right? So things yeah. like focus peaking, and like you were saying, previewing the image before you actually snap the shutter, um, and even uh, on some cameras, when you in when you're in manual focus mode, looking through the EVF, and you twist the focus ring, it will automatically zoom in on a portion of the image, so that you can really nail the focus. And when you release, it zooms back out. You snap the yeah. picture. Things yeah. like that. <clears throat> things like that are not possible with older technology, and these are the things that we get with this new stuff, right? Yeah, which 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 I love, and I think there's so much more possibility. I mean, we're, we're just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of exploring what we can do with this kind of technology because it's just coming out. Um, so when I look at it from, from that perspective, you know, so, so there's all these pros of mirrorless, and so somebody would say, okay, well, so it's cheaper, it's lighter, it's easier to use, and you enjoy the experience better. Um, the other biggest factor that I didn't even talk about yet is the idea when I'm at a wedding and I'm photographing, I'm trying to do candids, I'm trying to blend in, I'm trying to be sort of, I, I joke with my clients and say I'm a photo ninja sometimes, or I don't, I don't want to draw attention to myself, or I don't want to really cap, you know, capture these genuine moments that are happening as they happen without being the guy with the bazooka in the corner with the, you know, the big camera. And so these smaller cameras allow me to, to do that so much more. I can be so much more inconspicuous with my Fuji X-C2 versus this giant camera where I'm obviously the photographer in the corner. So that's another big added bonus. So so you hear all these pluses and you think, okay, so 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 then why haven't I gone fully mirrorless? And well that's a good question. I, I ask myself that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think for I think for me, the biggest reason, and I think that we're close, is the autofocus. Mm-hmm. The autofocus still isn't quite there for the the highest demanding photographer. Um, 
the phase detection autofocus than the hybrid autofocus that they have in the Fuji X-C2 and a lot of the new mirrorless cameras. The Olympus has it. I think the Panasonic even has it. A lot of them have this hybrid autofocus where it does have some of the pixels are phase detection, which is great. Much yeah. quicker. That's the kind of autofocus that DSLRs have. And so we're getting there to, to having really quick uh, autofocus where you can follow action and you can follow movement. We're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. And so for those kinds of things, I need to rely on my D3S, on my on my full frame, uh, you know, DSLR camera um, to 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 capture those moments to lock in the autofocus for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Low light focusing still isn't quite there with the mirrorless, um, but we're close. But it isn't quite there, and that's why I haven't gone 100% mirrorless. As soon as we get there, I, I'm there all the way because because of all the pros. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And yeah. one thing you did mention, you mentioned price and all that, <clears throat> but one thing you did mention was just the overall weight gains or losses <laughs> with, right. with mirrorless. Uh, your D, the, the D4 or D3 kit that you mentioned with, the, with a, a similar uh, list of lenses on the mirrorless side is going to be a, a percentage weight-wise and yeah. even size-wise of that DSLR kit, right? Totally, yeah, and, and like I said, after you know, twelve hours of photographing a wedding, uh, every little bit counts. <laughs> that makes a big difference to my back, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think photographers are, are, are this, you know, this term, the, the wedding hangover, where you know, the Sunday after the wedding, you're just like, you, you can't move around, you got to sort back. I, I mean, geez, I'm, I'm young, I shouldn't be having those kinds of aches and pains after a twelve-hour wedding. Oh yeah, so, no, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. So let, let's let's close it off. So what what's next for you? What what more weddings? Are you going to expand the studio? You have any workshops or what what's next on your list? Yeah, no, for for me I'm uh, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm continuing on that path. I'm I'm exploring more and more uh, spaces that I can continue to use, you know, my my Fuji, my mirrorless cameras. I'm I'm super happy with where I'm at for weddings. I photograph about 20 to 25 weddings a year mm -hmm. uh, and and then anywhere from, you know, 70 to 80 portraits a year. So so I'm I'm really happy in that space. I'm always looking for, for ways to, uh, to to make things more efficient for myself, to improve image quality, to improve customer experience. And I think, you know, this whole idea of, of mirrorless and tech and sort of what we can do with that, I think there's so much more room for that. Um, well, one of the other things that I've actually uh, really enjoyed with, you know, my keeping the, the conversation about mirrorless, I use my Fuji 100% for all my personal stuff. Mm -hmm. um, which has been amazing for me because I always, I don't know about you, um, I'm sure a lot of photographers feel this way, but when you're on vacation and you're going on a family outing or you're going to the pumpkin patch, we have a 10-month-old daughter, and, you know, I, I've always not enjoyed bringing these giant cameras around with me for those kinds of things with all these lenses, and I, I don't want to feel like a photographer when I'm out and about. I, I don't want to be, you know, that creep at the swimming pool with the big giant camera and the and the lenses <laughs> and the fly. I mean, that's, you know, so I've, I've never fully enjoyed that, and so I think I've always, A, been hesitant to bring it, so I've either sacrificed by bringing, you know, just my iPhone or I've, you know, not taken as many pictures with the DSLR when I'm out and about like that. But now with my with my mirrorless camera, I can get the same quality that I get out of my DSLR with a much smaller form factor that doesn't make me look like a photographer when I'm out and about. And so that has been amazing. Like my personal photography of my family, of our vacations, of just our day-to-day -day lives has improved tenfold. Because now I'm actually wanting to take pictures that way, whereas before I kind of dreaded it because I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, love it, love it. So cool, man. Well, where would you like folks to go to look at some of this work that you're shooting, or if they're interested in, you know, being trained by you or being or hiring you for a wedding or something? What's what's the nexus of Brian? 
Yeah, I, I guess you know my website is is uh, www.bcapphoto.com. I, I do, um, you know, talking about purpose. My purpose is always to satisfy my clients, the people that hire me to take pictures. But every now and then, I like to throw in little blog posts here and there where I'm talking about photography stuff or tech stuff. Uh, I've done I've done quite a few posts recently about my sort of discovery of mirrorless and what it means. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a couple different blog posts and stuff here and there that are dedicated towards photographers. And so, yeah. if anyone's interested in learning more about that. Um, you know, check that out on my website, or you can just Google Brian Caparici Photography if you can spell out Caparici. <laughs> it's uh, C -A -P. like it sounds, Caparici. Yeah. Right? It's not not cappuccino. Um, and and yeah, I, I have I have images there. And um, if you go on and, and like my Facebook page, I'm on Twitter. Uh, everything is at Bcap Photo. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, all that with at Bcap Photo. It's two P's in there. Um, whenever I do do a shot. Do do. Whenever I do a shot with uh, my mirrorless, my Fuji, I always like to do a little hashtag Fuji XE2 or hashtag mirrorless, just so so that people are sort of because you know what, if I didn't do that, you would know that it was shot with a mirrorless, or you wouldn't know that I shot with a Fuji. So right. I like sort of calling out that hey, you know what, you can still get amazing images with this mirrorless technology we have. Love it. Well, Brian, thank you for thank you for taking the time today. I know you're crazy busy. And uh, yeah, I knew you got you have that you have that Fuji next to you somewhere. Let me see. Oh that. yeah, there we Where are, right here. Beautiful. There it is. That's 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 precious, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and this just in. So this is my 60 millimeter 2.4 lens, which I love it. It's a macro lens, which is great. Fuji just announced their 56 millimeter f1.2 lens, oh, which geez. is just like the the portrait and wedding photographer's dream. I mean, that's such a great um, field of view. It's the 85 millimeter sort of equivalent. Yeah. Uh, f f1.2. Um, that's going to be incredible. I've already pre-ordered it because I just love that perspective and that field of view. So I'm excited for that. Love it, love it. Once again, what's the what's your URL? Yep, www.bcapphoto.com. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. See you later. And that brings us to the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Be sure to visit our new website over at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you want to touch base with me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. Dot com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.